Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. In my regular weekly episodes, I talk about the theories, methodologies and principles associated with investing. In these case study episodes, my aim is to share how the application of this approach to formulating financial advice has worked out in real life situations. So sharing how it's worked out for some clients that we work with. The aim of today's episode is to demonstrate to you how property advice is often a critical element to building a financial plan and also how financial advice really is multifaceted in that it includes things like property, borrowing, cash flow, lifestyle considerations. Everything's very interrelated. So it's important that the advisor certainly appreciates that, understands that, and has the skill and knowledge in order to provide the advice that's ultimately going to drive the most amount of value. So I want to tell you about some clients that we met in 2019. There was female and male. They were together. They were married or actually engaged to be married at that time. The male owned a new build apartment and it had about $200,000 of equity in that apartment. The female had bought a house and land package a few years ago and had been busily sort of repaying the loan and she had accumulated about $260,000 of equity in that property. They both had very high incomes. They were both white collar professionals, but also they spent a lot of money as well. So cash flow management was kind of a bit of a challenge with them. When we look at the two properties that they currently owned, neither of them would be considered investment grade, and we weren't optimistic about the the future growth rates of those properties. So our advice was to sell both those properties, take that $460,000 of equity, and buy the highest quality asset that they could afford. Now, in order to extend their budget, our advice was to remain as uh, hold on to as much cash as possible. So obviously when they sold those two properties, they would have walked away with about $460,000. And because we wanted to really extend our borrowing capacity, the best way to do that is make sure we had as large a financial buffer as possible. So our advice was of that $460,000, don't put too much or put as little as possible into the property itself so that you can leave that money in a linked offset account as a as a big buffer. And if something happened to their situation in terms of change of income, at least that large cash buffer would give them a couple of years to navigate those changes, whether they were temporary, in which case they just write them out, or whether they're permanent, and therefore they need to change their strategy. In terms of asset selection, my advice was don't worry about the building so much. Buy the right parcel of land in the right location, Ultimately, this was going to be a family home, a long-term family home for them. So you can change the building itself in terms of the accommodation finish or size. But what you can't change is really the locality of the property, its proximity to um, schooling for kids, to shops, to amenities, all those sorts of things. So focus on that and we can spend money on the building in due course. And make sure you get advice. We hunted down the right buyer's agent for them to use. It wasn't in a city that we normally buy in, so we didn't have a pre-existing relationship, but we leveraged our relationships in other locations to find a buyer's agent that we could trust to do a great job. So in July 2020, they bought a home for $2 million. They borrowed 1.9. Remember, they were on very high incomes, but it allowed them 
then to put a whole bunch of cash in a linked offset account as a financial buffer of I've just spoken about. We used a family guarantee from the male partner's mother to add as additional security to allow us to borrow $1.9 against a $2 million asset, of course. Now, the property is worth about $3.5 million. So there's a $1.5 million sort of tax-free capital gain there. They've still got a bunch of cash in the offset account, so they've really dramatically changed their net worth as a result of that advice. Now, this was a 10-year strategy, and we couldn't have anticipated that they'd be so well off or so much better off in only three years' time. Certainly, the COVID boom certainly helped them. But I think it's a really good example of how advice is very interrelated. And so the reasons I formulated this advice were there was a few different sort of considerations. Firstly, the way I was looking at selling two properties and buying one better one is that they had $460,000 of equity in two average properties. Probably one of them was below average and, and one of them was average. And so from a strategy perspective, what I'm doing is really divesting of those properties, taking that $400,000, $460,000 of equity and put it in a much better quality asset. From a capital growth perspective, that's always going to be advantageous over the long run. Stretching their borrowing capacity by maintaining a huge cash buffer was important in their situations because it allowed us to leverage their high incomes, but also kind of put them on a bit of a full savings plan. You know, we, we, we spent a lot of time understanding the numbers and what the commitments look like. And they understood that, you know, borrowing $1.9 million was a big ongoing commitment that they were happy to make, but also it's a bit of a forced savings plan for them. So it really kept spending in check, which is really kind of the help that they needed. Uh, and taking, uh, putting a equity in your family home course, you need to do a lot of other things to build wealth to fund retirement, but it's kind of a first step for these clients. They were relatively young clients. It was a good thing to do because it's tax-free capital growth, of course. And so when we think about how holistic advice is, the thing that I think back is, well, who could have they got this advice from? Because a financial advisor typically wouldn't have the knowledge around property in terms of reviewing assets, understanding prospective capital growth rates, and then understanding, you know, what would they so I always ask myself, what would I do if I was in their shoes and what type of property should I be looking for in what sort of suburbs? What are the attributes we really want? So coming up with that financial advice is difficult, I think, for most financial advisors do because they don't have that skill and experience and background. Of course, they could speak to a mortgage broker, but they don't really have the full picture and they can't give financial advice. I mean, they can talk about borrowing capacity. A lot of good brokers will talk about property and buying well, which is fantastic but they really can't add the other elements to really consider whether, you know, overextending themselves, you know, obviously we don't want to do that. So to what point can we extend ourselves where we're certainly pushing the limit, but we're not over pushing the limit. And often if they go and talk to a, a buyer's agent or a property advocate, sometimes they're too influenced by what the client desires rather than what is fundamentally sound for their strategy. So it's difficult. You really need a person that has that well-rounded experience, or you need to get all those three advisors in the same room, which is not impossible, of course, in order to get that holistic advice. You know, I was talking to another client, a separate client the other day, and they made the comment to say, look, you really encouraged us to sort of push our comfort levels. Again, it was a scenario where we were upgrading the family home. 
And they say, no, look back now, and they're certainly financially better off. That's a no-brainer. But also, she said, you can't underestimate the tremendous lifestyle impacts of having a home that really suits their needs. And it's made a dramatic impact to not only their standard living, but also their financial position. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone should go and borrow to their eyeballs, of course. You've got to be, and I would say I'm pretty conservative in terms of my viewpoint, but sometimes it's really about educating people to say, well, how can we push the envelope a little bit while still keeping, you know, enough of buffer to sort of mitigate any unforeseen situations. And that's something we did for these clients. The other thing too, we were able to take advantage of very low interest rates, but then also stagger fixed rate maturities as well. So they weren't coming out of a very low fixed rate all at once. So again, that's something with the benefit of hindsight or really the benefit of having 20 plus years of experience and being through a few interest rate cycles. It gives us that sort of ability to provide that well-rounded advice. So this case study is really around making sure that if you're going to get advice, that it's well-rounded advice and that where you live and when you buy your forever home or how you, you know, even it could be leapfrogging eventually to forever home, it is a really important part of most people's strategy because it does have a big impact on their lifestyle and their future and all those sorts of things. And so dealing with an advisor that can bring that property aspect to it and then also still have the conservative sort of financial planning aspect, making sure that whilst we can do the home upgrade, we still have enough capacity to contribute to super, you know, build wealth outside the family home, do all those sorts of things is really important. So thanks for listening. Please share this episode with anyone that you think might enjoy it. As always, I have a book discount code in the show notes where you can buy a copy of my book for $15, no postage. And until next time, bye for now.